All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another week of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Monday, July 24th of 2023 here, wrapping up the British Open. Brian Harmon taking it down. Looking ahead to today and this week, we have an eight-game. It'll be main slate uh, pitching off later tonight, I guess is the right word. And then we have the 3M Open on Thursday. So it should be a fun week here for those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the coaches over here at SaberSim. It's a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions. You can send in your questions one of three ways via support. You can reach us at support at SaberSim.com. You can post your questions live in the YouTube chat, and you can also post your questions in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. If you're not in our Discord, want to get access to that channel, there is a link in the description below. You also get access to all of our similar channels of when lineups are released when players are scratched when sims run for that updated news you get access to all of our individual sport channels where members of the community and other members of the saber sim team here are talking dfs strategy each and every day helping each other get better so a great place to be if you're trying to advance your game uh with uh you know tips and tricks from others here but with that being said gonna get the app pulled up here uh have a couple questions to get us started today got some in the discord um and uh, those should keep us busy to start. But if anybody has any questions that they had over the weekend here, something on their mind, now is always a great time to get those in the queue. So first question here came in from Chuck uh, late on Friday here. I did get back to Chuck, but just wanted to touch on this for everybody else. Question says, is the average ownership metric position specific or is it merely arithmetic mean of all the projected ownership values? Okay, so... On the home screen, you know, if you're like, hey, what is Chuck talking about? What is adjusted ownership? I've never even heard of this, right? Okay, so we created this metric here, adjusted ownership. It builds on top of contest ownership here, which is just Sabersim ownership. And basically what it does, I know we talk about it a lot here, so just kind of try to give a brief overview for those who haven't heard it yet. But what it is, is we look at the player's ownership, what we expect them to be owned in the contest, and then we look at the range of outcomes for the player, and we basically say, is this person's ownership warranted, or is this person's ownership very high for how wide of a range of outcomes they have, right? So by simming out all of these games thousands and thousands of times, we're able to get very accurate range of outcomes for the players. So if I were to pull up a pitcher like you, Darvish, he's going to have this nice bell-shaped curve here. Uh, not perfectly normally distributed, but closer, right? Uh, more in the ballpark. And then if we go to a batter, highest projected batter on the slate, Corbin Carroll, pull up his range of outcomes. It looks drastically different than you Darvish's, right? His most likely outcome being zero points with a 22% chance of that happening. His mean of 10.2 happens somewhere between uh, six to 12% here. So like 9% of the time he's actually hitting his projection here. And the reason that he has this high of a projection is because he has this, uh, he has these 1%, 2% outcomes where he gets 30 plus points and that is shifting his mean higher but it, it that by no means means that is it that is his most likely outcome and then if we go back to you darvish you know his projection 20.22 uh that that is about his highest uh likely outcome right 14 percent. everything else below that a lot of outcomes very close to that number so adjusted ownership for you darvish you know his ownership in the contest 31 percent 
his adjusted ownership, 33%, very close here. If we go back to Corbin Carroll, his contest ownership, about 21%, his adjusted ownership, about 28%. So what we're doing is we are inflating this adjusted ownership number saying, Hey, uh, this guy has a really wide range of outcomes. It's not, a, he's not a, sh uh, a shoe in to get this 10 point projection here. Let's be a little careful with how many lineups we put him in. And by having this adjusted ownership number higher than his contest ownership, when we get to saber score in the post build, we use a negative weight on it on adjust on um, average adjusted ownership of the lineup. So basically lineups with a higher overall average adjusted ownership get hurt, get taxed. And basically what happens is that the players that are inflating those lineups get, um, you get a little less exposure to them. So that is our way of saying, Hey, be careful not to put this guy in too many lineups here. So that is basically what we're doing. And then getting back to the question, is the average ownership metric position specific? Yes, it is. So this is handled on a position by position basis. And then also if you were to change these ownerships, like, you know what, maybe I think Carol isn't going to be 21% owned. I think he's going to be 15% owned. What we could see here is when I drop his ownership to 15%, that also drops his adjusted ownership as well. So, and then it will uh, have an effect on the entire position here. So if we were to look at somebody else, Juan Soto at 18.5, when I drop Carol to 15%, Juan Soto gets a small adjustment to 18.58 from 18.51. So it it is position specific. It has an effect on everybody and not just that one player here. But really good question to get us started today. Next question from Turk. All right, this is a little bit of a longer one here. See a lot of people tuning in. Hello, everybody. Happy Monday. If you guys have anything on your mind that you guys want to ask, now is a great time to get those in. So Turk said, do you split your builds based on contest entries or build them all as a whole and spread them across contests? I have a tendency to do all my contest builds as one because I feel it maximizes my diversification and variance, but I'm not necessarily sure this is the smart way to go, but it feels like that's the best way to get that one big lineup in there. Example, 220 lineups, one 150 max and the rest being 20 max and single entries build all as one or build three different ones for 20 max 150 and single entries. Okay. So really good question here. Uh, Turk, it sounds like you're not familiar with our DFS profit plan here. And this is like this question, this question that you're asking is exactly why we did this back testing. Uh, so for those of you who aren't familiar with it, the DFS profit plan is a contest selection framework that we created through contest backtesting here, primarily Eric from our models team here. He did an entire behind the Sims series. We have our behind the Sims playlist under this podcast channel. If you go and look at this playlist here, the very first five episodes are all, uh, are all one series here called contest selection. This is a deep dive into what we do behind the scenes, giving you guys a peek behind the curtain as to, how we do it, why we do it, the conversations we have around these topics. And then basically the 17 minute video here on the home screen is the too long, didn't read version of all of that back testing here. So the 17 minute video is what you need to know. And basically what, what we created was we looked at all the different types of contests you can play. And then what we tried to figure out is the best bankroll allocation contest selection for smoothing out your variance over time while still allowing you and helping you to grow your bankroll and, and win in DFS. Right. And what we figured out was that a bankroll allocation of 
2.5 to 5% on a nightly basis here while splitting that allocation between 20 max and 150 max as, as one contest, as like one build, and then single entries and three maxes as a separate build. And then um, from there, right? So putting 25 to 50% of your bankroll nightly allocation into those single entries and three maxes, putting 50 to 75% of your bankroll nightly allocation into those 20 max and 150s, and then just having the two builds for a night. And then it makes a lot of sense when you go back to the app here, because if you go to your build settings and then you look at the sliders, so what you could do is turn on manual mode. You actually get to see what correlation and sim diversity are set to. So let's say I'm playing a 20 max, 10 to 50 K entrance, pretty standard for any night here. Uh, Correlation nine, sim diversity eight. If I were to change that to 150 max, correlation stays at nine. Sim diversity goes up one tick to nine. Okay, so very, very slim, similar slider settings here. But if I compare this to a single entry, and most nights your single entries are going to be either 100 to 1k entrance or 1k to 10k entrance, um, you're going to see you're going to see a little bit bigger of a disparity here, right? Especially at the 100 to 1k entrance sizing here. Uh, correlation seven, sim diversity six. So sim diversity down three ticks from your 150 maxes correlation down two ticks from nine to seven there. So if I were to compare this to a three, a three max entry here, they're actually the same sliders. So building your single entries and three maxes together makes a lot of sense. And then building your 20 max and 150 maxes together make a lot of sense. So I am of the thinking where I like to split those into two separate builds. It makes the most sense for me, um, especially for MLB, right? I think that this, this um, idea of doing these two separate builds gets a little harder in NBA season here, but I think it makes, it works great for MLB, for NHL, for NFL, where you have a lot of time to build, you're not waiting on this late breaking, late swap news here, right? So for NBA, I'm kind of okay with building it all together because you're not going to have as much time to get all your late swaps in. But I think for all these other sports, splitting it into two builds makes the most sense here, consistent with our DFS profit plan. And I've implemented the profit plan very effectively into my own play. I've talked to a lot of users who have done the same as well. So I would take advantage watch that video if you guys are not familiar with it. All right, next question from Sammy. So this one's a little tricky one. Uh, question says, how many rules are too many rules within a rule? Okay, so basically uh, my understanding of, of kind of where this is coming from here, and Sammy, if you're watching and my understanding is incorrect, uh, just let me know. But basically, so let's say that I want to set a rule to use, I'm just going to make this up here because you would never really want to do this, but use no more than three players I'm going to say from a game, right? And then the way they say, the way to say from a game is to use this group by option. So if I say, hey, use no more than three players from any individual game, when I save this, I'm going to save it as a manual rule to kind of show you guys what I'm doing here. So I have I have a rule, right? It created a rule uh, that says you use no more than three players from a game. If you save it as a manual, in manual mode, you can click this little drop down. And you could see rules within a rule. So I have one big rule with all of these sub sub rules uh, within it, right? For each individual game. So if I do it on a game basis, I get eight games. If I do it by team basis, I'm going to get 16 rules, right? And then this is obviously going to change depending on how many games are on the slate here. So really, I don't think there's a uh, right or wrong how many rules 
are too many within a within a rule here because slate size is going to change, right? You might have a big 15 game slate. You might have an eight game slate. Like you see today, you might have a five game early slate and then a six game main slate uh, for those uh, day night splits, like on Wednesday, Thursday, right? So really just comes down to what are you trying to achieve with the rule and are you achieving that? And it doesn't, um, you know, if, if you have, it's a 15 game main site. You have 30 sub rules. That's okay. Right. If you're trying to do something very specific on a team by team basis uh, to either account for something or make sure something doesn't get into your lineups, then that's okay. Right. So as long as your rule is achieving your purpose, doesn't really matter how many sub rules you have. I wouldn't be super concerned with that in particular. All right. Next question here from Kyle. Kyle said, I am content with my work in progress process so far and am doing well overall in contests. However, I am looking for small things to improve. I never seem to hit the nuts in any contest overall. I'm usually in the top 10% or so. What are some things I could add to my process to slightly increase my risk, possibly increasing my scores? Also worried the outcome could be due to not playing enough lineups. So, uh, on this last note, Kyle, you know, I think if you're following the DFS profit plan, you know, you're going to have this good mix of 20 max 150s and single entries and three maxes. So if you're not implementing that, I would uh, refer back to that segment that we just talked about. But as far as uh, increasing the risk here, right, a couple different ways to do this. The first way to do this in the home screen is to make sure that you're using a high SIM diversity. So the higher the SIM diversity, the smaller and smaller buckets of SIMs that we are taking when we are randomly sampling the SIM database to build your lineups here. So the more SIMs you use as you move the SIM diversity slider down, the closer and closer the player's outcomes are going to get to their average projection with zero being their actual average projection that you see in the home screen. When we are taking very small subsets of SIMs to build your lineups, the average projections, what you see for the players can be vastly different from what we see when we grab these small subsets of Sims to build your lineups here. So that's only going to help you uh, to, to optimize for more upside outcomes, but it is going to lead to your lineups being a little riskier, right? So that's kind of that trade-off, but it seems like you are aware with that trade-off. Second thing that you can do here, and you're going to do this in the post build here. So let me just get like a build going here. But basically, it's going to come down to what sorting metric are you using and how much um, diversification are you accounting for with Minion Geeks, right? So Minion Geeks is great for uh, getting you spread out, using more players in your player pool, uh, helping you to smooth out the variance. But it you're ultimately what you're doing is you are trading, you're trading expected value, you're trading EV for some of that variance uh getting smoothed out for some of that diversity right so when you see a build and you see the top 20 lineups saber same as identifying the top 20 lineups saying like hey on average you know these 20 lineups are gonna be your best chance of winning have the highest roi um based on you know our saber score metric here which is done from contest sims uh in the long term, you know, if you're to play this slate over 100,000 times, we think these are the best 20 lineups to play that will win you the most money on average, right? But when you when you start to increase my uniques, you know, you start going further into the pool. You're playing some lower graded lineups overall, but you're doing that with the intention of, hey, if, you know, 
if you Darvish has a bad game and I have him in 100% of lineups, I'm sunk, right? But if I max out my min uniques to seven, eight, whatever, I'm going to have a, a little less lineups with you Darvish. I'm going to have, uh, I'm going to be more spread out overall at min uniques of eight. I have 55% you Darvish down from 100% at one min unique. But, um, but if you wanted to, you know, have a little bit riskier set, right? You can just lower this number, increase, uh, decrease the number of min uniques you're using, right? Instead of using eight, maybe use four and maybe accept some of that high leverage on some of these players that SaberSim is identifying as good plays on the slate, right? So that's one way to do it. Another way to do it would be to change your sorting metric. So our Saber score formula, you can use the little eye icon here and click on it and see what the variables are. So we are using uh, three variables, some projection of the lineup, 99th percentile of the lineup, and then the negative weight on average adjusted ownership of the lineup. Say you want to just get rid of some projection overall. You don't want to use it. Maybe you just want to optimize based on upside here. Like, you know what? I don't care about ownership. I don't care about average projection. I just want the highest upside lineup possible. Then I would change my sorting metric from Sabre score to percentiles. And then you could use a 99th percentile of the lineup, right? So what 99th percentile is doing is it's saying, hey, uh, after the lineup is built, we're looking at this exact group of 10 players, and then we are seeing how they did when combined in a lineup together across our Sims, right? So it's like, hey, when we run the Sims, you know, how does this group of 10 players do? And then you basically get a range of outcomes for the lineup. And then the lineup's top 1% outcome becomes their 99th percentile. So what is the fantasy score that this lineup achieves 1% of the time? together when we look at our sims right and then the 99th percentile is 174.04 fantasy points and then if you hover over the 99th percentile summary statistic you could actually see all of the percentiles 95th 85th 75th 50th and 25th percentiles here right so that is what you are getting when you are using the 99th percentile here um from there you know if you guys are on the pro plan, another thing that you could do, right, is you can actually build your own custom metric. So instead of using the Sabre score with uh, some projection, 99th percentile, and average adjusted ownership, maybe you want to get rid of the some projection, right? Maybe you just want to use average adjusted ownership and 99th percentile. Or here's another idea. Maybe the weight on average adjusted ownership is too low for you. Maybe you want to fade the the chalk even more right so what you could do is something that i've told a lot of people to do when they want to get used to custom metrics want to build their own want to start um experimenting with that part of saber sim take the saber score formula use it as your starting point use it as your baseline you can use these variables you can adjust the weights you can get rid of a variable right so maybe you want to come in and increase the weight on negative the negative weight on average adjusted ownership. Maybe you want to weight 99th percentile higher and some projection lower, right? So take this formula, use it as your baseline, and then start making adjustments from there. So I think that's another option for you here. But those are three really good options. Increase some diversity, lower the number of min uniques you are using, or mess around with the sorting metrics and custom metrics. And I think one of those options or a combination of those options should get you down the path that you're trying to go. All right, next question here from Sammy. 
question says, I know from some prior videos with Jordan and some of the Saberson crew always saying that uh, about a bump up or down of projection of 10% or so. If I go over that, does the builder limit the plays as a fail safe? Is there any advantages by doing so? If not, as 10% being the max cap of a projection adjustment, will splitting evenly work best? Making my sleeper picks 10% and let's say some of my value picks uh, 5%-ish uh, projection adjustment. Okay, so let's talk about this. So let's go back to the home screen here. So, so I want you guys to think about projection adjustments. So we're the reason we say about 10% or so is because in 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 our experience using it, it hasn't had a huge effect on the Sims. So the best way to check this, right? What okay, so step back even further. What we're trying to do by adjusting a player's projection is get them in more of your lineups. That's really all it comes down to. So say I'm in this build here that I just ran, and we're going to go look at our pitchers really quickly here. So maybe there's a pitcher that I am not getting to that I like. So I'm going to sort by projection really quickly here. And maybe somebody I've identified as a good play on this slate is Patrick Corbin kind of as like a value pitcher. He's playing Colorado, but they're playing in Washington. They're not playing in Colorado. Maybe I think the Colorado lineup is weak overall. Um, I'm only getting to one, one lineup with Patrick Corbin in my top 20. And let's put mini Neeks down to one here. I'm still only getting to one lineup with Patrick Corbin and I'm only getting to 10% of lineups with him in my pool here. So not a lot of lineups overall for, for the builder to find with him. Right? So what I can do here, I can go back to the home screen and then I can increase his, his projection here. And the reason to do this is to tell the builder, Hey, I want to value Patrick Corbin higher. I am showing you that by increasing his projection. We've said 10% as a baseline, but really what you should be doing here is making an adjustment to his projection, running a new build, and then seeing what his new exposure is in your top lineups in your pool and seeing if that is too much or too little, right? And then it's kind of a trial and error at this point. Say, so, hey, I'm going to give him this 10% projection bump. Am I getting to Patrick Corbin more than one time? In my top 20 lineups, am I getting to Patrick Corbin in more than the 10% of my pool lineups that I saw previously? And then you need to figure out, was that adjustment enough? Was that adjustment too much, right? And this is a little bit subjective, but if I go from 10% of lineups in my pool with Patrick Corbin to 100% of lineups with Patrick Corbin in my pool, I've probably made too big of an adjustment and I will walk that down a little bit. So say I made a 10% adjustment and now I'm getting 100% Patrick Corbin. That might've been too much, right? And I might drop that down to like 5%. Um, I, I would say that, you know, if you make an adjustment and these numbers don't change the way you want them to, they're actually very similar, then, you know, increase that adjustment in the home screen and run a new build. So it's going to be a little bit trial and error. I would say that if your projection adjustment increases the player's exposure by about two to three X what you're already seeing. So if I make an adjustment to Patrick Corbin's projection here, his exposure goes from 5% to 15%. His pool exposure goes from 10% to 25%. That's probably right in the ballpark where I wanted, where I wanted to make that adjustment. I want my 
adjustment to have some effect. I don't want my adjustment to have too much of an effect because what if I'm wrong? Now I am hurting all of my lineups in my pool, right? So I just want to have, I want to nudge the builder in the direction saying, hey, I want to get a little bit more exposure to these guys. I'm not trying to say that I want to lock anybody in. I think if you're trying to, you know, lock players in, uh, that kind of goes more into like, hey, these are my core plays for the slate. And if you're looking for more information on how to work in your core plays into your lineups, we uh, have this playlist here, Coach's Corner. If you look at this, we have uh, actually should be in here, but it's not. I'll make sure this gets added. How to use core plays with Saber Sim. This video here released three weeks ago. Let me just make a note. Uh, add core plays to coaches corner. Uh, this video is going to show you how to take a set of players and different ways to work your core plays into your lineups using SaberSim. So that would be more along the lines of that thinking there. But hope that helps, Sammy. Going to keep it rolling here. Uh, see a couple questions coming in in the YouTube chat. We'll get to all the questions before the show, everybody. Uh, we have two more questions here in the Office Hours channel. Uh, first one is Snowman asking about NFL. So uh, not not time just yet for NFL here. I know that players are just going to be reporting to training camp this week, I believe. So probably something more towards the end of August. You will see, you know, projections for NFL and, you know, DraftKings will be posting the slates, I would say, about a month prior to three weeks, like a month prior to the season starting there. So probably like a little early for, for NFL stuff, but it seems like you're excited. All right, next question here from Dante. Dante said, I know the answer, but want a different perspective. If I have a particular set of sliders that have been working for my process, no matter the slate size, am I going against Saberson by manually changing them or trust the back results from the defaults? Okay, so good question here. So what I would probably say is that this is probably a sample size issue, you know, um, there's only so many slates like to, to play. And I don't, I don't know how far back your um, tracking goes for these particular sliders here. Right. But if you've had a lot of success in the last week, in the last two weeks or something like that, right. The last month, um, our, our back testing, you know, is, is every slate every day for multiple seasons. Right. So I think that the, the slider back testing is probably just going to be a lot more in depth or, or, have more data points than than what you've seen to this point. I would say that you know I I think that the sliders are that we have for defaults are going to be the best just because of the rigor and all the back testing that goes into it, which I already stated. But um, you know I I can't I I don't want to uh, say hey if you have something that's working for you to to not do it right. Um, so I would just say tread lightly, tread with caution. If you want to use those sliders and you know, those sliders make you comfortable with whatever happens at the end of the night, then go for it, right? There's not one right or wrong way to play DFS here. So something that I talk about a lot is if you submit your lineups and you are not comfortable, you feel uneasy, you're like, oh, I don't know, you know, um, maybe I should have done something different. I always tell people, hey, go back into your build, make whatever adjustments lead to making you feel comfortable with whatever happens at the end of the night and, and, and roll with that. Right. So 
if, if adjusting the sliders, you know, is what leads you to have a peace of mind once those lineups are submitted to SaberSim, then then go for it there. But, but you know, I would say be aware of the deviation that you're making and be okay with that uh, if that's the route that you want to go. So I'm not going to tell you not to do it here. All right. Jump in over. Kyle said, you're the man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Jumping over to the YouTube chat here. Uh, looks like Sammy was here, said, cool, thanks for the answer. Yeah, man, happy to help. All right, Ryan said, I've gotten close to taking down that 1K to first contest on owner's box. If I take that down, I have the bankroll to play 0.0%, 0 0.01% of the entries on all contests. Jordan gave me that tip and had success with it. Success with it. So glad, uh, glad to hear that you're getting really close, Ryan. Keep hanging in there, man. And uh, yeah, I mean, Jordan is still pumping out content on the YouTube channel. I know he's not doing this show every day anymore. Uh, so Jordan's still very knowledgeable. So be on the lookout for when he drops videos. He dropped a video recently over the all-star break, I believe here related to MLB DFS tips. So three winning tips to build better MLB DFS lineups. He uh, Six tips for your first week with Saber Sam. So a lot of content still from him. He's still dropping very good nuggets each time he releases a video. I make sure to watch them myself. All right. Uh, question from Ryan. This is our last question at the moment. Uh, question says, the smaller sites and alt sims, alt slates on FanDuel DK is usually where the 0 0.01 of entries heuristics comes into play for me. Yeah. So, um, you know, Alternate slates on FanDuel are going to be a little, I would say, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like not as healthy of a lobby here. The alternate slates on DK, you know, you can find really good contests in the turbos, in the night slates, in all of these showdowns. They have a ton of good contests underneath $3. So something I tell a lot of people to do here is that when, when you are playing the main slate and you've played all the good contests underneath $3, don't just jump up to the higher... Uh, stake stuff where all of the pros can play instead look at alternate slates like alternate slates go look at the under three dollar slates on the turbos go look at the under three dollar slates on the night slates on the showdowns go play owner's box go look at yaku go look at fandle right fandle runs a ton of satellites under three dollars so i did this exercise for nba season i believe last season if you played every single slate on DraftKings, yahoo FanDuel, I don't even think we were partnered with Owner's Box at the time. You could get like $1,500 down on a given night underneath three underneath $3 in all of the contests that the Sharks can't play on FanDuel and, and, and DraftKings here. So a lot of action for you there. Um, a lot of slates to manage, I would say, is like probably the one downfall. That's going to be one of the great things about the beta version that we're testing of SaberSim here is that you're going to have this... Um, this uh, slate window here where it's going to show you all of the slates that you have entry, entry uh, CSVs for entry files for, and it's going to help you to manage it a little bit there. All right. Next question from FV. When using the actual score tab in the drop down box to go back and look at previous built lineups, where do those lineups come from? They are none of the lineups I submitted taken from the pool. Okay. So if we go back, let's go to Friday. I'm sure we had a build here for the main slate from office hours. So we have this build from Friday. If I go to this tab here, okay? So a couple things come into play here. So as you can see, I'm loaded into this build from last week. The key point here is that there is nothing selected under this saved lineups 
option here. So if I want to see the lineups that I played, that I submitted, I need to go to this saved lineups and I need to click on whatever lineup timestamp I used to fill my lineups. So what you can do, if you have your lineups file in, in SaberSim here, go to the entries tab, see what timestamp you used. If I use this 11, 18, 50 timestamp, if I click on this timestamp, review mode is going to get activated. And then as review mode says here, it says enabling review mode will isolate your 20 lineups from the pool and sort by actual score. So this will take the 20 lineups that I played and sort them by actual score. If this is turned off and no lineup file is selected here, if I go and sort by actual score, this will look at all of the lineups in my pool, all 647 lineups, and sort those by actual score, regardless of the ones that I played in my contest here. So this is going to show you all 20 lineups that scored the highest, regardless of whether you played them or not. But having that lineup file selected, having review mode will take your 20, separate them from the other lineups in your pool, and only sort those by actual score. And then if you... If you're in review mode and you switch to pool, you can see where the 20 you played fall within your pool. So in the pool column, these lineups are grayed. These are the highest actual scoring lineups. And then I can see that, okay, from all of the highest actual scoring lineups, I played the fourth highest actual score lineup in my set of 20. And then I skipped all these other ones. And then I played the, the next highest scoring lineup that I played in my set of 20. I'm trying to find it. You know, it's hard when these when I'm building lineups for office hours and then the slate locks like five hours later. So, you know, a lot of news comes out. I probably miss stuff. But the next highest one I played was 63rd. So I played the fourth highest actual scoring lineup and the 63rd actual scoring lineup in my set. So that is how you use review mode and the save lineups feature. So just make sure you're going in and checking that. All right. We are all caught up with questions at the moment here. So while we wait for any last questions, to come in, just want to remind you guys, if you guys are not playing over on Owner's Box, I know we mentioned it a couple of times throughout the stream. Uh, what is Owner's Box? Owner's Box is an up-and-coming DFS site. We partnered with them at the beginning of the MLB DFS season. We were the first major optimizer to support contests on Owner's Box here. The great thing about them being an up-and-coming site is that a lot of their contests overlay. A lot of the contests do not fill all the way. So what, what happens with overlay is that the entry fee might be $5. By the time the contest locks, not enough people filled it up. Your $5 entry is now worth $6, and they are paying you to play. You can also find contests where there is no rake or reduced rake and not having to earn back rake percentage points that the other DFS sites are taking from you is just a way to profit sooner, right? So take advantage of the overlay. Take advantage of the softer competition the user base is going to be softer than what you're going to find on DraftKings, FanDuel, or Yahoo. When you use promo code SABER or SABERSIM, when you sign up, one, you can get up to a $500 deposit bonus. And two, we will track your entry fees for you. And you can earn free months of SABERSIM just by playing on the site and nothing else. So each time you hit one of these entry uh, entry fee tiers here, we will reach out to you, let you know, hey, you have earned a free month of SABERSIM. You can wait for the next price tier or you could cash in at that price here. Once you cash in, we will automatically reset your tracking to zero and you will start earning towards your next free month right away. There is no limit on the amount of credit you can earn while this promotion lasts. If you're looking for the sign up link, there the, there is a link to this page in the description of this video. 
All right. Next question here from Deshaun. Oh, real quick. FE said, thank you as always. Yep. Sure thing, my man. All right. Deshaun said, how would you go about finding good value plays after a build for MLB? This is a really good question here. So if I'm going to go back to today's slate, get out of this build from last week, going to circle back to the main slate here. And what I would do, so I'm in this build that I ran earlier. We're just going to use this as our working build here. Uh, what I would do, one thing that I really like to do here is increase your number of lineups to the number of lineups in your pool and then use the leverage column. So the leverage column is going to show you players that we have more exposure to in the pool than their ownership. So all leverage is, it is just exposure minus ownership percentage. So if we have 29% of Louis Castillo in our entire pool of lineups, and he is only owned in 18% of lineups, then we're going to have about 11% leverage on this player. So looking at all the lineups that are built, looking at the positive and negative leverages are going to help me identify what Sabersim is saying are some of the best plays on the slate. So Carl Kaufman here, 5,200 salary. We have about 11% exposure to him. He's about 3% uh, owned here. So we have about 8% leverage on him. So this would be what I would consider a value play, a sneaky play, right? So uh, maybe Carl Kaufman is going to be good on this slate. You could do the same thing for batters here, looking at positive leverage for plays that, uh, you know, might be under owned here. And then it looks like KC is like a really good uh, leverage play here. Just looking at leverage. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So five out of the top seven positive leverage plays are all Kansas City Royal batters at the moment here. And then also what you do is try and find plays that are over-owned. Uh, we do not like Corbin Carroll, right? He's 21% owned. We have negative 14% leverage on him, very high negative leverage on Tati. So looks like we are just trying to stay away from Arizona and San Diego and then play some more of the Royals here. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting from looking at these positive and negative leverages. But this is one way that I like to identify value plays for any given slate here. All right, everybody. Uh, that about does it for all the questions that we had today. Really appreciate everybody tuning in here. We will be right back here tomorrow, Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern for our next show. If you guys are building lineups throughout the day, question pops in your head, you could drop that question in one of two places. You could drop it in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server or on our YouTube channel, you can see all of the upcoming streams for the week. We schedule them ahead of time here. So if you're on the YouTube channel and you're saying, hey, I have a question for office hours tomorrow for Andrew, you can click into this upcoming live stream and then drop it in the chat ahead of time. This question will stay in the chat and then it will be sitting there for when we start the show tomorrow. But until then, good luck. Take care. I will see you all then. Bye.